Hey everyone, welcome to the Cultivate Podcast from the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and so glad that you're joining us. And you've caught us now in episode three, kind of working our way through just kind of a deepening understanding of Hinduism. And I have Nate and Mark here with us. I've been referring to them as Nate the Great and Marky Mark. Kind of protecting, I just going to feel like I should say this because I'm making these little jokes, not really giving a full intro. I mean, there's just a sense in which you guys have some real great and deep friendships with people who are Hindus. And you don't necessarily want, if, if you don't want it to feel like you're talking about, about behind their back or anything like that. And you just kind of want to protect them. And so we're just kind of not dropping a whole lot of last names and a lot of identifying characteristics because there's what you would say. And, and you know, okay, you, you don't want, you wouldn't want there to unintentionally be some misunderstanding. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I f- and I feel like we're representing what they would want said pretty well if they were here at the table with you. I hope so, um, yeah. There is a lot of baggage because of what we talked about, I think, in the first episode uh, related to British rule in the past. And it just, it's misunderstood often. Right. What what we actually believe and who we actually believe Jesus is and our faith. And so because it, it has a lot of baggage, mm-hmm. um, you have to walk real carefully. Yeah. There's ways that we talk and words that we use like that are militaristic in nature and are fairly offensive that we don't even necessarily know, but we need to use in this context so that people understand what we're talking about. So yeah, it's even like convert or. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Baptism so I, and conversion. And yeah. All those I just, things. I appreciate you guys, your honesty, your humility and your desire to kind of love well. And so I just wanted to make sure probably should have said this in the first episode. I just want to make sure that people, I mean, it's not just me being, being cute and giving you nicknames. It's, it's yes, it is. yeah. Well, that's, we, well we, sure. We that was kind cute. of in the what I said, but as opposed to, I never introduced you and give you your full last name. I, I am mean, a little sad that you never had it in the funky bunch. Well, but because, I guess that well, would make that's me. That's what the, we are. That will make me. He, he's Nate the Great. He's not in your funky bunch. Well, that's anybody's in the true. funky bunch would be me and Abigail. That's probably true. Right? I mean, that would be the funky bunch, but I, I don't know. I mean, we'll just, anyways. Okay. So we're kind of, kind of, we, we talked a little bit, just kind of, you just kind of breaking, breaking our minds here a little bit in that first episode of kind of just helping us think about Hinduism differently than we would in say a normal comparative religions class. And just thinking about the connection between culture and, and religion and nationality and all these things that it's more than that. But then we did spend some time. Last, last episode, you guys did a good job of kind of helping us think more in some theological categories. Again, with all the implied, it, it depends, it varies, a lot of diversity, but just kind of helping us think through some of the kind of the big picture kind of meta ideas that are part of Hinduism about who we are, who God is, the problem of evil, what the solution is. And I appreciate all of that. But what I kind of would like for us to do right now, kind of in this episode, is just kind of spend some time. I think there are some things that people generally know about Hinduism, or maybe better said, we think that we know about Hinduism. And if you listen to our Mormonism podcast, I did this a little bit with Scott too. It was kind of in a more pop, you know, kind of a rapid fire kind of way. Kind of want to do this a little more in depth with you guys of kind of, you can just kind of help us understand to what degree these ideas or things are true or false. And so we'll start with one that we kind of, we put one toe in the water in, in the last episode with you, um, Nate, is Hinduism and Buddhism. I think on the one hand, we know that they're different, 
but not really though. They're the same. I think that's just kind of what made it's like, it's, it's, it's Eastern and it's for like, I mean, it's just, and it's just different. Mm-hmm. And so Hinduism, Buddhism, really the only difference is regional. So it's true. Yeah. That's what we typically think. Right. That's I mean, what that's, we think. And I'm giving you, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say things that we think that right. people generally think, and then you get to say it's partly true. It's partly false. So that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Say it's ninety percent false. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Maybe ninety nine. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, function like objectively is false. Yeah. Right. Um, Buddhism has a very very specific doctrine. They both came out of the same areas. Yeah. Have a lot of overlapping followers. That's what most people followers. don't know is that the right. is that the Buddha was uh, an Indian prince. Okay. So most of so the, the, the pictures. Hindu. So there you oh, go. That's, that's, oh, the, that's so, the extra 10%. So Buddhism is a subset of Hinduism. And but he rejected. He rejected uh, oh, okay, most of what okay, he was okay. coming from. So kind of like we're talking about a, the Christians. Right. Okay. So he, he grew up. There was Hinduism. When the Buddha came to be, there was what we would call Hinduism. Sure. Oh, for sure. Yes. And he said, no thanks. Went east. Went. Northeast. 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 Eventually. And said, uh, I, we're, we're, this, 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 this it, thing that went east, this thing that I was raised with isn't right. And it, and some, something, something different was created. Right. And it's taken all kinds of different forms in all of those Southeast Asian cult countries. Yeah. Uh, I spent some time in Thailand and it looked, I was fascinated at what it looked like practically. Different yeah. from India. Oh, so different. Yeah. yeah. But still um, a set doctrine, still a right. foundational pillars sort of. Yeah, and there's a Buddha statue. There's one in Bangkok that they changed the clothes. I was there when they changed his clothes. It was a big <laughs> thing. They changed the idol's clothes. I've never seen that. Um, which, you know, I thought to change that a god needs his his clothes changed. Yeah, so it felt like a passage from Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my understanding of Buddhism is that they would describe the big picture problem as attachment. Mm-hmm. Right. I I am I am too attached to things. I'm too attached to people and a spirituality, then a real spirituality comes from a detachment from things and from people. And from what I'm gathering from what you guys have said over the last couple of episodes, that feels actually very antithetical to what Hinduism is. I'm, I want to be very attached to this river. I'm very attached to these cows. I'm very attached to my family. I'm very attached to my my connections and all of these things. Like the, I, w- I, w- I would, I, I'm not hearing anything of what you guys are saying and describing what a, a day-to-day Hindu is like that would even fall remotely under the category of detachment. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. And I would say one of the three big questions I like to have, like to ask a lot, you know, where did we come from? Why, why are we here? And where are we going? Where did we come from? Why are we Cotton here? Not Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> in, in Thailand, Again and again and again, the answer I got back was the Buddha taught us not to think about these things. Right. Right. So why are we even talking about this question? We're, we're not supposed to be talking about this question right now. We're not supposed to be considering that. That's too... Whereas the Hindu has all the answers, even, right. if, even if they're coming from mom, even if they're coming from great grandpa, and even if they're making them up, there's an there's answer. there's 10 stories and there's... There's 10 yeah. different stories and they're all true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and I think there is in pop culture... Just in general, I'm about pop culture. I don't just mean celebrities, just kind of the pop ideas about these things that, you know, it's Buddhism becomes 
It was just a word for generic spirituality. But you really can't be a powerful Buddhist or a wealthy Buddhist because that shows too much attachment, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and, and, you know, again, and maybe more people than they realize when they say, oh, actually, I'm kind of a Buddhist in my spirit. They probably more, they probably more mean Hindu. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. A more just kind of seeing the spiritual and the sacred everywhere and kind of pursuing the spiritual and the sacred feels more Hindu. Absolutely. Than, my, than at least my understanding. At some point we'll get someone who knows Buddhism better and they can pull me to shreds like you guys have been. Yeah. And, but many times it just means that I meditate. That <laughs> right. I've chosen That I've chosen to be quiet and to try to quiet my mind. And, and, to, and dis- and to distance myself, you know, detach from X, Y, Z in life for a moment. Right. Yeah. And but uh, not to forego all of my <laughs> desires. I, yeah. I'm not trying to detach from my desires. Yeah, exactly. One, one, <laughs> one thing that's really funny, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, Buddhist monks, especially in Thailand and that part of the world. And um, those, those orange saffron colored robes that they wear are a symbol of a death cloak. Okay. Right? But they're made by designer brands. Hmm. Okay. Um, and they also so have that nice contrast, sneakers. They, yeah, they have incredible, sneakers. really nice, expensive awesome. uh, sneakers. And I remember the family watching this group of monks go into this ice cream parlor that we couldn't afford. And I okay. just thought that was, that's really interesting. Those two, yeah. to, to detachment is the thing. And yet, you know, I've got a designer... Death cloak. So I'm gonna I'm gonna phrase this next question, and it may sound like I'm being disrespectful, and I'm not being I'm not being disrespectful. But by the time I say kind of what a typical American might believe about Hinduism, it may come out as disrespectful. I don't mean any disrespect by it if it feels disrespectful, because if you you take a comparative religions in your world history in high school, you're going to learn about there's a whole lot of gods, and you're going to learn about something called the caste system, and our understanding of that, at least what I, what I think I was taught then, I've learned more since then. So we'll just, we'll just kind of go with that because I think that's where most of us are, right? So you're born into a particular layer or strata, social layer level, and whatever level you're born into is what you are forever. It's what your kids will be. And there's no mobility up or down and that you put a dot on your forehead that represents whatever particular social level or caste level that you're at. But that to some degree, it was banned, but not really. <laughs> that, I, th- I would say that, that is probably what a typical American would think about Hind- uh, is a, a significant part of Hinduism. So affirm whatever you need to affirm from that and then kill the rest. The only part of that, the, the dot on the forehead. That's what I was going to say. That. I, I, I didn't know that was that. any identifying factor of, cast. of what cast you were in. It well, I, mean, I did go to high school in El Dorado, Arkansas. That's true. That is very true. I don't, I'm not going to say that my teacher was <laughs> world right on. expert. I mean, one of the things, if, if somebody listening made the trip over and was walking down a street, a neighborhood in India, that they would be on the road they would see swastikas everywhere. Right. And, you, and you, like like me, I was like, well, yeah. what, what, what in the world? Is that what I think that is? And why is it here? Because it was there first. Right. Because that was an idea that, that Hitler hijacked. So, yeah, it's, it is very much still an integral part of society and culture 
even though, yeah, there are rules around it and there have been great, you know, movements by the government to try to help people of different lower castes have chances to move up. Mm -hmm. Um, When you walk into a room, we would have have a difficult time being able to pick people out, but a friend of mine would be able to pretty much tell you everyone in the room and what caste they fall in. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, without getting into a can of worms, I, I think a, maybe a good, uh, helpful, I don't know, analogy or metaphor is with, um, slavery in the U S okay. through the last century where there's a period of one adjustment. And so things haven't changed that much, even though there's new laws. And so we're all trying to figure it out together. Like I'm talking, you know, right, 50, sure. 50, 60 years ago, but Everybody wants to acknowledge that these changes are are good and everybody does acknowledge on the surface that these changes are good and that things are changing. So I think that's kind of how it felt a little bit where none of my friends really wanted to talk about it because they didn't, they almost didn't want to acknowledge that it still existed because it was like it, they on the surface felt like, yes, it is a bad thing that we have done away with. And even though we're all still adjusting, we still, we just kind of want to ignore it, um, even though it's still there and we're still trying to figure it out. And the, ignore, that, and the ignoring sense? of it is preventing it from fully being eradicated. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, and those atop that system, I mean, they've got a house full of servants and there's a, it's, a, it's a pretty nice setup for somebody who's in one of those higher castes. Right. And so it's a system that's really difficult to break well, when you've yeah, got it's a, a billion it's a, people. It's a functioning ecosystem. Yeah. How many pieces of it are broken maybe, but you know, you, even on the low levels, it's hard from, it, I think, just a human standpoint to view yourself differently. It's mm-hmm. not like the government can just say, you are now different and you believe that. So there's all kinds of mm-hmm. levels to, I think, how hard it is to... So there's a, there's theoretically in India now, there's theoretically is social mobility. Right. But practically, right. there may not be. Right. In the mm. same way that one could say people who live, who are experiencing some of the hardest, hardest conditions in America in some inner cities, they theoretically could go, to, go to college, get a job, Absolutely. get a master's, become an accountant, da, da, right. da, da. but practically the right. likelihood is really, really small even though it exists in theory. And anytime I've talked, absolutely. And anytime I've talked about it with my friends, it seems like we digress into complaints about the, about the rules that the government has made because they're, because the rules are broken okay. because it doesn't really, people aren't really mobile. And because it is tied into the belief system. I mean, that's, that's the thing that makes yeah. it really dangerous. Believing and be, having been taught from the time you were a child that you are superior. Right. Okay. Or that you are inferior. That's that's hard to break, like you're saying. Yeah. And so maybe this ties into the next one, which is our understanding of what reincarnation means in a Hindu context. I think we all understand conceptual reincarnation is when you die, you come back to life as something else. In a Hindu context, again, this is just a very surface level, what some people probably think. Like if if I am good, whatever good means then I will be reincarnated up a level, right? So if I was in cast one, maybe I can come back in cast two and work my way up. If I'm bad, I'll either go down a cast or if I'm really bad, then like 
like a tree or a bug or a pig or something like that. And then one has to experience some time as some lower form to then work your way back up to person. And then, and so there's kind of like, again, beyond just the normal caste system, there's an extended caste system that goes all the way down to gnat. Mm, and you sure. can be reincarnated as a gnat. And maybe there was time several generations ago, I was a gnat. Is that, is that, is that a fair, is that a fair under, is that a fair representation of what reincarnation is? Yeah. Based on my conversations, yes. Best I can understand it. Honestly, I'm, uh, when you brought it up, I realized that um, it just didn't come up that often. Yeah, I was about to say, I never really I, talked is, about it that much. Um, which is interesting because it does seem like it's, it would be such a focal point. Right. But um, yeah. It's interesting that you say that because when you're describing a funeral in previous episode, a funeral has no tears because death is part of it. And my brain immediately went to that. It was like, well, I'm not crying because this isn't the, this isn't the end. Right. So they believe it, but they don't talk about it? Or it's just like... I think whatever, whatever happens in the next life, there's going to be a next life and a next life and a next life and a next life. And, you know, there's not, a, there's not that feeling of an ending. Okay. Well, there's whatever it is, I don't, I don't think it's the reincarnation that's driving as much of the fear as maybe family duty and station mm. in life and what social expectation there is I would say that's probably more what's driving a lot of the religio cultural practices and but yeah I you know it's interesting I would say what you you to your question true right but also I have a friend or two that during certain festivals we take the food that has been fed to the idol and we take it upstairs to the roof because it is still physically there on the plate and let the the birds eat it because the birds are the ancestors. So okay. grandpa and his father and, but, and that's, and that's a positive thing in those contexts at least. So uh, it's a little bit curious because birds somehow is not, you know, those crows are right. somehow not a negative thing. Okay. So yep. I, mm-hmm. not sure. So I know this is a very, probably a very American high achiever question to ask. Is there an end game? <laughs> to reincarnation. Like I'm, I finally end up at the highest strata of the caste system and I'm really good at that. Do I, do I eventually kind of get released from the cycle? I feel like you hinted Mm -hmm. now you hinted at something like that at one point. Do I eventually get released from the cycle and then get to experience some sort of next level consciousness or some kind? Yeah. The word I heard most often for this was mukti, which was a breaking of that system and, and um, this oneness with God. We would easily use that as a term to also mean what it would look like to be right with God again. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think there's different maybe iterations of the same, you know, I'd say yes to that question. Um, I think there's probably a, a million different iterations of it or what it actually means to a specific person. And even one time I was being described to me as a wheel. Uh, and I don't remember if it was the chakra or if it was something different, but the wheel, whatever the wheel was, you know, had the different layers. So it was less of a ladder, so to speak, and more right. of a concentric circles thing where yeah, okay. then you're free from this spinning wheel. So yeah. It's so more like, like you got, you got a pencil and you start drawing little bitty circles and you kind of get yeah. bigger eventually. Yeah. I sp- the inertia takes over yeah. and I get spun out completely. Right, like the thing on the playground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on off. now. Come on now. I didn't think you were, I didn't think you were old enough to even know what that was. 
we used to, we, we used to almost die on those things. Exactly. All right. So here's my, here's my last one. And which is the idea of karma. And so here's the way that when we say, Hey man, that that's karma. Here's how we use it. And so how an American describes what they think karma is, you can help us understand more from a Hindu. So to use an example, you're watching a video and you're like, Karen in the parking lot gets karma. And so you see this woman, she's yelling at somebody in the parking lot of Target or whatever for not parking right or doing whatever. Then she gets in her car, drives off and hits a, hits a post and wrecks her car. And that is karma. She did something, she did something bad and then something bad happened to her. That is what Americans call karma. And we think we got that from Hinduism. I don't know if I have a well-formed question here, except yeah, to say, what do we think about it? I would say most of my Hindu friends, definitely this, this idea that what I do, if I treat others well, I'm going to get treated well. If I do mean things to other people, mean things are going to be done to me. If I cheat, then people are going to cheat me. That, that practical idea of karma, I don't know that I heard many people actually use the word karma. But I think in I, a practice, in practice, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think I did mainly because maybe I'm part of the uh, a slightly younger generation and my friends are on Instagram all day. And so they're seeing the same video of Karen. And so they're using the same vernacular. Right. But to your point earlier, I think, and maybe this was in an earlier episode, but the, the, the whole thing with I'm not going to harm the earth. I'm one with everything. I'm dependent upon these things. I'm worshiping them. I'm get, I'm paying my dues to cr- creation and whatever else. I, I think that's all seems like part of it on a much deeper level than just what happens in the parking lot. It's, it's me doing what I'm supposed to so that I can c- continue receiving. Okay. So Mark, what you described, I feel like is more just kind of a general social principle. If I'm nice to you, you are in general going to be nice to me. If I treat others well, people will in general treat me well. I think most people think of karma as like an actual force that is either personal or most likely an impersonal force that exists in the universe that is making sure those things happen. That is in fact... The arbitrator. Yeah, making that woman's car crash into the pole. That's not, she was mean to somebody and then somebody else came. Like, you see that too. You see that, those karma videos too. You know, I take a swing, at, I call somebody some, a bad word and I take a swing at them and then this other person comes in off screen and just levels them, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that, that's what you're talking about. But like, is there, is there a force in the universe that is also making impersonal acts of karma happen where, like I, I lost my I lost my keys today, and you know because I was fussing at my spouse about how they're always late, and then now I lost my keys and I'm late, and karma hid my keys. Whatever karma is, I don't know. Yeah, because everything feels spiritual in India. I mean, that's one thing I love about it. You know, it, it's very difficult. They don't have the separation between the secular and the spiritual that we seem right. to want to build and and live in. And so, yes, the idea of karma, karma is connected to something that's a cosmic force. Also, the fear related to it that would drive someone to live that out means that they believe, they believe it pretty, you know, that it's not just coincidence. Right. But there is a force that's making these things happen, for sure. Regardless of the nature of that force, it is true 
So we should live as if it is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it may happen this afternoon or it may happen 10 years from now, or it may happen in the next next generation from my family, of my family, my kids, but it will come back to me. And that's the reason. It's not an idea that I choose to believe in. It's a supernatural Mm -hmm. objective truth that regardless of what I think about it, it it is governing something of my life. And that's the reason in in many ways, uh, devout Hindu families are very moral. Mm, Okay. Can be trusted. There's... Because there is this belief that, you know, as guests in their country, man, I think Nate would say this too. I mean, we were treated like kings. Well, the phrase, uh, the phrase that they say is guest is God. That's, it's a common mm-hmm. phrase in Hindi or maybe Sanskrit. That's atiti devo bhava, guest is God. Okay. And even, even namaste, it, it's, I, I recognize the God in you. Yeah, the God in me greets the God in you. Yeah. Okay. So I want to wrap up here and then just spend the last episode just talking a little bit about more practical and ad- practical advice about how to love Hindus well if we happen to come across any or there are any in our circle. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure that there's, is there anything in your head that you wanted to say about Hinduism or like, and, and we just, I never asked a good enough question for you to say it, but there's like something that you feel like is, really important for us to know or understand or appreciate about Hindu culture that you have not gotten an opportunity to say. There's no pressure. You don't have to say anything. But if there is, I don't want to miss out on something really important because I didn't craft enough good questions. We covered a lot. I I think that the the beauty of, of Hindu culture, Hindu culture, right? there's just a lot of beauty in it that gets missed by most believers because they assume that weird things, weird to them, things that are weird to them that are different than what they're used to are just automatically bad. And because auto worship is, is around it, uh, there's so many things that just get thrown out that um, if you really get down to the core of it are, are really beautiful things, you know, a beautiful people, a beautiful, yeah. And there's re- usually reasons, the things that are crazy are usually a reason we won't get into toilet paper, but there's some beautiful <laughs> things that uh, we just don't understand. Well, I was, I was going to say the same exact thing. And I, I think we have a lot to learn. And my main soapbox to answer your question is going to be in the next episode, but I was going to say the same thing here that, I mean, there, there are Hindus that do hospitality, for example, uh, much more, I think, like Jesus did than mm-hmm. I am naturally capable of or than my culture does. And so there's just a lot to learn. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, community. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I will spend some time kind of talking about kind of what the emotional and physical response should this to be for us as people. And maybe just, you know, Ken, I can just kind of phrase some awkward questions kind of around what I think a lot of Christians, what their perception is about Hinduism and how that makes them keep at a distance. And you can kind of help disarm some of those things. So again, thank you guys both for for everything that you've been sharing with us these last few episodes, appreciate you guys a ton. Appreciate you guys who are listening. Come back for one more as we're kind of just going to wrap up kind of with some more practical things about how to love Hindus well. And as always, we would love for you to be a part of our church. If you're not local or far away, you can find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect and you can figure out services in person or online. Either way, we would love to connect with you, help you, pray for you any way that we can. So again, I'm Charlie Lofton, lead pastor there. And thanks for joining us. 